And then suddenly God moves the pieces on this global universal chess sort of game. For us, he needed to remove a dictator or two, or maybe more, to kind of open the iron curtain, which is hard to say how can an iron curtain open, right? But it can. God can do it, and he did. So I stand before you this morning because I believe many people prayed for me too, for us, for our generation, for the people that grew up in communism. And I remember my spiritual heroes, which were like people who were in jail and in, in, um, under persecution in many communist countries. And they called us our spiritual children. And I am privileged to call them my spiritual fathers. And by the way, do you know that the Apostle Paul, when he wrote this book, to uh, the letter to Ephesians, he was also in jail. The Apostle Paul was in jail. Most of the apostles, the disciples of Christ, basically ended up martyrs. And our Lord, who came from heaven to save us, he also ended up giving his life for us. We are followers. We are disciples. We are children of a God who sacrifices and who calls us to sometimes ultimate sacrifice. The martyrs have a special place in heaven. If you look in the book of Revelation in chapter 6, they, they have a special place. It's an honorable place. But this morning I want to thank you all for praying, for all of your prayers, for all of your thoughts, for the persecuted church. Let's look at this text that Paul opens for us in his letter. This is what he says. And I pray, he says, and pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. Pray also for me that whenever I speak, words may be given me so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains. Pray that I may declare the gospel fearlessly as I should. You have the armor, right? For those of you who picked it up, you have the armor of God, you put it on, and you say, now what? And once you are armed, you put the full armor of God, you almost want to say, if somebody is dressed up in military uniform, in armor, you expect them to go and fight, right? You expect Paul to tell us, now go and fight. So why is this armor so important in Paul's letter? If you are a man and you think like men, I don't know how to think from a woman's perspective, but we like to fight, man. You know, kind of we like to action movies where the hero is going and does something good, fights evil, right? So we expect Paul to tell us, now go and fight. And now go and join the fight and, and be a good soldier of Christ and stuff like that. Go and, uh, and conquer things. You know, maybe if you were like me, and just think of Paul in prison in Rome, 
What if, just what if, Paul would have said, you know what? You should come and rescue me and come on three levels. You know, first you send some people, uh, now that you are armed and dangerous, right? Send some people on the seas, you know, and send others to Turkey. Make sure that they come to Turkey and through the land, through Greece, and to come to me. Or maybe through North Africa, through Spain. And make sure that you bring me out of this prison. Come to Rome and rescue me. And that's one way we, we can say, you know. And many people, that's what they believed and expected Messiah to do. You know, in the Old Testament, God was a mighty warrior. And God conquered things and helped His covenant people to get out of Egypt. To conquer the promised land. But He always told you, you can lose it. If you sin against me, you will lose it. Don't think that it's yours just because you are my chosen people. And then they expected the Messiah to come again and to free them from the Romans. That's what they expected, the Messiah to come, to go to Rome, to conquer things, to liberate them militarily. And that's what even the disciple expected Christ to do. He will come and reestablish you know, the kingdom and the freedom of the Jews and the Hebrew people. And Christ comes and He says... I came to serve, not to be served. I came to lay my life down to rescue many. I came to save the lost. When he comes out of the water of baptism, you expect something to say, but, you know, something glorious and powerful. Somebody to say, this is your king. And what does the voice of the Father say? This is my son in whom I am well pleased. And John points to him and says, this is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. We have a Savior who came to be sacrificed. The first time Jesus came, He came to lay down His life. In modern terms, when we put the armor, like Paul, we, maybe we expect you know, somebody to say, now, okay, now go and free us. We almost expect something like, you know, the Iron Man, you know, you have this suit that you can fight in. Or, or Captain America with a shield, you know. And, you know, maybe we expect a commander to go and free Paul from prison. We will say, go and free him, you know, from then. You can make, even make a movie, right, about it. But Paul says, not now. Paul explains to us, not now. Jesus says, not now. There's a difference between coming the first time... And coming the second time, he says, the second time I'm going to come in my glory with all my power. But the first time I come as a lamb, the lamb of God, and I am sending you as lambs among the wolves. And that's what Paul understands. And Paul says, for our fight right now is not the flesh. It's not the flesh and the blood, you know. This is what Paul says. We have to fight against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of these dark world against the spiritual forces of evil. If you go downtown or anywhere you get out of this house, you know, it's bright and shiny. You say, where are these powers? And Paul says, these are all powers. The world is dark even when it's sunny. There are spiritual powers of evil even if you don't see them with your naked human eyes. They are in the heavenly realms. And every time you pray, you make them move. You make something move. And that's how God works. He says, you pray here on earth and something spiritually happens. In fact, Daniel, 
Daniel explains to us, you know, he prays in Babylon. He's in captivity. He ended up in Babylon because the people sinned. So this is what an angel comes to him and tells Daniel. He says, Daniel, since the first day that you set your mind to gain understanding and to humble yourself before your God, your words were heard. That is, your prayer. Your prayer came to us. And I have come in response to your words. Can you imagine your prayer triggering some movement up in the spiritual world? But the prince of the Persian kingdom resisted me 21 days. Then Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me because I was detained with the king of Persia. A prayer, a prayer said in Babylon, move something in the spiritual powers. And Daniel says, I understood that, that, that there's, there's something beyond what we can see with the naked eye. And our prayers have that effect. And if something happens in the world, usually it happens because it happened first in the spiritual world. And that's what Paul says, for our enemies are not those that you can see, but those that are in the heavenly, they are in the heavenly realms. I like what one of the, the quotes, and it says like this, Satan doesn't leave fang marks on our flesh, as you usually see in movies, you know. Satan doesn't leave, leave fang marks on our flesh. He leaves lies in our hearts. He comes like Adam and Eve. You know, do you think that really God wants you to be blessed, happy? I think he wants you to be unhappy. And he comes with lies. God doesn't care about me. He's so busy. My problems are not a priority on his agenda. Huge, huge lie. In fact, God says to us, even your hair, the hair that you lost this morning in your shower... Is counted. I know exactly. That was 552,523. Do you know? Do you know that God knows more about you than me? He knows exactly how many cells we have, what's in our brain, how our far- heart functions, everything, how our soul, our deeper thoughts. So don't let the devil lie to you. That he doesn't care about you. He loves you more than you think. You know, nobody loves you. That's another lie. Nobody loves you, not even God. What? For God so loved the world. For God so loved the world. You and me. I can sin. We, we, we sometimes excuse ourselves. We say, you know, uh, I can sin. Then I will ask God for forgiveness. And God will forgive me. But the question is, how do you know? That you will pray after you sin. You will be a different person. Do you know that? How do you know you will have the opportunity? How do you know that you will have the willingness to do it? And that's what Paul basically tells us. There is a war. There is a war. The battle. These are battles that are not necessarily flesh and blood. They are battles that go in the spiritual world. And in our minds. In our spirits. And the devil is always planting lies in our hearts, in our minds, in our souls. He is always trying to keep us in a fog. And if possible, ineffective. To take our 
effectiveness away, to take our strength away. And one of the best books that talks about this is a book by a guy almost 400 years ago. He wrote this book. It's called The Christian, The Christian in Complete Armor. And you can uh, check it out. It's, uh, it's kind of an older English. It's hard to understand, especially for me. It was hard to read it, but um, it's wonderful. It's a thick book. And I think maybe it's the best book on just focusing on the armor. About almost 700 pages on the armor of God. Ephesians chapter 6. You see, Paul says it's very important. You know, he has other places where he talks about prayer. And in Colossians, basically, he says a very parallel text when he calls us to pray. And this is what he says in Colossians. Devote yourselves to prayer. Being watchful and thankful, and pray for us too, that God may open a door for our message, so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ, for which I am in chains. Pray that I may proclaim it clearly as I should. But you see, in Colossians, he doesn't have the part about the armor of God, about the fight. So that's why this morning we look at at Ephesians and we say, why is the armor so important? Because we have an enemy that is relentless. That is not tired, that is not stopping, that is not resting. He doesn't need to sleep to regain his strength, to re-strategize. He knows he's way smarter than we assume. And he's always on the attack, on the offensive. We might say, no, my life is just a journey. That's his lie too. Your life and my life is a battlefield between two kingdoms, between two forces. They're not equal, but it is a battlefield nevertheless. And Paul says, pray in the Spirit. Pray, fight, fight, but pray in the Spirit. That's your fight. You have to pray in the Spirit. And you might say, what does it mean to pray in the Spirit? And again, this book helped me a lot. And it says several things. It's like a directory of prayer. If you look at our text, it starts like this. And pray. So there's the armor of God. Put the whole armor of God, all of the pieces. And then immediately says, and pray. It's almost like you have to pray all the time. In all circumstances. That's what Paul says. Pray in the Spirit on all occasions. Whether you are in trouble or you are in prosperity in good times. One time a lady came to church and she said, I am a fair weather Christian. What she meant is, you know, if the weather is good, I I am a Christian. But if trouble comes, see you later. If God is not rescuing me. And some of us are like that. We think that God is like a contract with us, you know. Or others, we just run to him when we are in danger. Hey, the enemy is coming, 911. You know, boom, we call him, God, Lord, save, help me right now. But not to be hypocrites, we have to do it all the time. Remember Job? Before he got into trouble, he was a righteous person, praying every day for his family. As his sons and daughters were gathering, you know, he was praying for them all the time. Every day he prayed. And when the trouble came, he had a difficult time. He had a difficult time. But at the end... Of the struggle, he says, My eyes have seen things that I cannot understand. They are beyond my understanding. And I can say this thing, he said. When everybody else said, Curse God and die, he said, You know what? The Lord gave it, and the Lord took it away. May the name of the Lord be blessed to, to be in that spot, to be able to say that in our troubles. It's a spiritual fight, and he fought that fight. So, why pray in the Spirit? All the time. What kind of prayers we have? Sometimes we make praises and thanks. I think in this country you have to thank God that we are still free. 
to worship Him, to praise Him, to have our, our Christian way of life. And maybe even our singing this morning. Just consider that as your prayer. Many of our hymns, our prayers, they come from the Psalms that David wrote when he was in trouble. Confession prayer, we have to come. Maybe we confess every day. We say, help me, Lord. That's another prayer when we, we get into a crisis, right? An intercessory prayer is when we pray for others. When we th- take other people's burdens and make them our own. And so many other kinds of prayer. All kinds of prayers. And always, Paul says, take prayer as your duty. If you are a Christian, you have to pray. Always keep on praying. Some people pray five times in different religions a day. Daniel prayed three times. Maybe you pray one time. It doesn't matter. Just pray. Maybe you pray when you are walking or jogging. I know some of you do. Or driving the kids to school. That's always a captive audience. You know, I like to do that. You know, at night when we want devotion, some of them say, oh, I'm tired or whatever. But when they are in the, in the car, then they are mine, right? For a few minutes, for 10 minutes, there is nothing they can do. And that's when you say, hey, what's on your mind? What, what do we pray for today? When you drive them to a game or from a game or anytime you have the opportunity, that's a good thing to do. At night, after dinner or before dinner, in the morning, before everybody's up, while you are cleaning the dishes or do the laundry, just pray. Just as you do the laundry, say, Lord, just as I want these spots to be clean, the, this stench to be clean from the clothes, I want you to, clo- to clean my heart and the heart of my family. Just as I am cleaning these dishes so that they will be clean and squeaky clean and and so that we can eat again tomorrow from them. I want you to clean the misery from our life. My rebellion, my broken relationships. I want you to just as I wipe this off, I want you to wipe away all of my sinful thoughts, my misery. Clean me just I clean this. You know, you can do that like Brother Lawrence used to do that. Then, of course, you have to pray in the Spirit. And we'll look at this later. And then you pray for all the people. That's what Paul says. Make sure you remember. So what does it mean to pray in the Spirit? We'll focus more on that. What does it mean? First of all, it means to use the mind. You know, the Spirit is not disengaging the mind. When you say, I'm praying in the Spirit, don't push a button and you disengage your mind. When you pray in the Spirit, your mind, and this is what Paul explains to us. As Paul says, I pray with my Spirit, but I also pray with my mind, with my understanding. They are working together. In fact, the Spirit has an influence on my mind. And that's what the Bible says, that the Spirit is renewing our mind, transforming the way we think. That's why we know how to pray. First, furthermore, we are engaging our mind in prayers. The Lord says, don't be like pagans who are babbling. You have to come to God with clear requests. Lord, I want you to bless my family, to give us our daily bread. That's what Jesus says after this text. Don't be like pagan, but pray like this. Your kingdom come. Your will be done, Lord, in my life, in my family, in my job. Forgive my debts. Just as I forgive my debtors. Very clear command, right? And that's what he wants. He wants to say, engage your mind. Your mind cannot be just let go because you pray in the Spirit. Then also bring your passion in the prayer. Bring your passion. Be fervent in prayer, the Lord says. You will find the Lord if you seek Him with all your heart and with all your soul. You know, have you seen people watch a game, a sport that they like? They are so engaged, you know. You are so engaged, right? Are you into? 
Like, wow, go, go, go. Yeah, yeah, touch it, you know. Wow, touchdown, whatever it is, you know. And you are so engaged. You are so up there. And the Lord says, this is how I want you to love me. With all of your heart. To be engaged with your passions. To love me. Tell me how much you love me. How much you see me in the details of your life. Working together. You know, if you went to Calvin. Calvin College has this emblem. It's, it's like a hand and a heart. And it says, this heart I offer to you, Lord, promptly and sincerely. It's not a cold heart. This might work for some of you who are um, a little bit more artistic. But this is a phrase, you know. It says, and I want you to imagine with me. A cold prayer is a prayer just as a painted fire is a fire. Have you seen a painted fire? You can have a fireplace at your home, but it looks real, but it's painted. Now, no matter how much you sit near that fire, there will be no heat coming. It's just a painting. And you can, you can say a prayer, like a cold prayer, read it from someplace. It's not bad to read prayers, but you, can in, you, you must engage your emotions, your heart in it. it. It cannot be just lips, lip service. You know, if you want to see what's, what's a fervent prayer, just watch this movie. I checked. It's still playing at Celebration South. It's a movie that kind of shows you exactly what a fervent prayer is, the war room. And there are also two devotionals that go with it. It's one is for women, and there's also one for general people, you know, for everybody. And you will understand what God means by fervent prayer just by looking at this movie. It's a wonderful movie. You should all watch it with your family. But then what else? You enjoy the mind, the passions, and you enjoy your heart. This is what the Lord says. Be honest in prayer. When you come to me, he says... Those people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. You cannot come before the Lord without engaging your heart, the core of your personality. And we have to confess our sins. You know that? The psalmist says, if I would have kept my sins hidden, he would not have listened to me. He would not have listened to me. Look at the prophets in the Old Testament, Daniel, whoever else you want. The first thing they do when they come in prayer before God is they say, Lord... We have sinned against you. We are sinful. We confess how much rebellion is in our hearts. Please have mercy on us. And then they bring requests. And then they bring requests. There's nothing better than to decide, you know. Love is a decision, some people say. And I think you can decide to love God more than anything else. You love to spend time on Instagram, on Facebook, and that's okay. You share your life with others, but God loves you more than anybody else. And He wants you to share your burdens, your life with Him. So when you put something on Instagram or on Facebook, just think, Lord, I want to thank you because you gave me this thing. This opportunity. That you are with me. I'm not alone. And to your friends, you share some things. To God, you should share everything, including your bad things, right? That's what He wants you to do. To be aware. To be Open to be honest. To come with your heart and pour out your heart in prayer. That's prayer, basically. You pour out your soul before God. And you are open. And you spend some time with Him. And then you thank Him. And the more you practice it, the more you will know how to do the prayer. The more you know how to do the prayer in the Spirit. Why pray in the Spirit? Because there is the battle in the spirit. 
And then Paul says, now pray for all of the people, or including those who are persecuted. Today in the world, and this comes from many reports, there are about 100 people who are daily persecuted, 100 million people for their faith. It comes from so many reports that it's very likely that it's an accurate number. Now, these are people who are persecuted. And there are different other levels of persecution that up to 5 million people, 5 billion people in our world are suffering from different persecution for their faith. It's basically restriction of their religious freedoms. Not only Christians, of course. But Paul says, pray for your brothers and sisters who are in jail, who are persecuted. I will invite you to just watch with me this video. Down through the centuries, the sands of time have shifted, exposing a cruel and barbaric persecution of the Christian church in the Middle East. Beheadings, crucifixions, rape, and displacement are reminiscent of the persecuted church of the first century in the 21st century. Persecution can go from being arrested to believing in what you believe in. It can go even worse of killing, of beheading. Our weapons as Christians is to love them and to forgive whatever they did for us. The more they are persecuted, the more they love. It's so encouraging and it's worth everything. Our life, our possession, everything. As a church, we think this is a time of prayer, this is a time of waiting for a great revival, this is a time of serving God with all our hearts, this is a time to partner together to serve the Lord. It's very important that the persecuted church knows that there is other churches, other Christians all over the world praying for them. Pray for a revival. Pray for visitations. Pray for God to show himself. Pray for many people to see visions and dreams about Jesus. Pray for the wounds to fall so the light will come and, and the chains will fall. Pray for freedom for people to choose and to know more about the eternal life. While ISIS and other militant extremists try to silence their voices, the spirit continues to move. In the face of such persecution, the body of Christ needs an army of prayer warriors, men and women willing to make sacrifices, to rebuild and restore to give humanitarian aid and to raise international awareness and prayer.
These will be the acts of love and service that Jesus commended when he said, Whatsoever you did for the least one of these, you did for me. Open Doors is a really wonderful organization that puts out every year the top 50 nations in which religion is most restricted. And they start with a map. And you should, uh, I think you should visit it. It's easy, it's easy to find it online. And uh, they have this darker red, you know. It's basically extreme persecution. And I would like you just to point to several countries. Maybe the first three of them, and you, you can also look at the countries. I think we had 25 countries, the, the top 25 on our seats. Now, we didn't have for everybody, so you can go online and pick one. But let's look at number one, North Korea. In North Korea, there are about 300,000 Christians. It's hard to find exactly the number, but about 70,000, up to 70,000 of them are in labor camps. And most of them are going to remain there because... They are going to uh, die of starvation or malnutrition and hard labor. Not many will escape to see freedom. The second country you can look at, number two, is Somalia. It's right there at the edge of uh, the eastern corner of uh, Africa. And in Somalia, there are very, very few Christians. Because there's no official government, there's nobody to help and to protect the minorities, such as the Christians. So then they are persecuted to the point that it's very hard to be a Christian and remain alive in that country. The third one is Iraq, and I'm sure you heard about it. In Iraq, for example, just in the last year, more than 140,000 Christians have been forced to flee from their homes since ISIS infiltrated Iraq last year. This is just last year. Remember that sign? They will go and spray paint the sign of the Christians on the door, and they will say, Christians, we are coming. If you don't want to be beheaded or to be converted to Islam, just flee. And the, the truth is that in the last decade, the Christian community in Iraq has plummeted from 1.5 million to 300,000. So over 1 million Christians are out of Iraq. There are cities in which virtually there are no more Christians today. That's why you have these organizations that come and they say, we want also to direct policies, not only to pray for them, but to act. Because some communities, such as the Christians in this Middle Eastern country are at the edge of extinction. And how do we pray for them, right? How do we pray for them? Look at this verse. Paul says this in Hebrews. Continue to remember this and those in prison. Remember them. How? How do you remember them? As if you were together with them in prison. That's how we have to remember and those who are mistreated as if you yourselves were suffering. That's our call. Like I said, Jesus told us, I'm sending you out like sheep among the wolves. Next time when I come, Jesus says, you will be kings and princesses and queens. But right now, you are like sheep among the wolves. So I will encourage you to do several things. Take that, if you have something uh, on, your sheet, if you, um, on your seats, if you don't have, I will encourage you to read that country report. If you don't have a card, just go home, open doors, and you will see country profiles. 
and pick one of those 50, top 50 countries. The reports are wonderful online, very short. You have also pictures and videos about that country. And you have three or four reasons of how to pray for them. At the first service, we had for everyone uh, a card. Right now, we don't. So uh, if you do have it, I would like you to just take it, take a few, few more minutes, you know, a minute maybe, and, and, and read it. And we are going to say a prayer. If you do have a card, which is with a yellow thing, I, want, I would like you to fill out that card. There is a map in the foyer, and we are going to put it there. But if you do have a card, uh, please fill it out as you pray and you read that country profile. And um, do we still have our Dickens planning to collect or not? I'm not sure. Can you just tell us? Yes. So let's take a minute. Read your country profile, fill out the card, and the Dickens will collect the prayer cards. You, you, you keep the country profile. As the Dickens are going to collect them, what we invite you to do is, if you don't have a card or a country, please go at the website. It's called Open Doors, the organization is opendoorsusa.org. 
and pick up one of the countries. They are wonderfully there. If you picked one or two, when you pray at night or when you pray for the dinner, just talk to your kids or talk to each other about the countries that you picked. What did you learn from them? In the next three weeks, we want you to pray for them, uh, for, for those pe people in the, in the country and, and try to learn more. Google, uh, when you go on a new site, just try to Google and I mean, try to search for the country that you picked. Uh, you can go on Vimeo or YouTube and find some information about the country and just keep those Christians. And usually you can put persecuted Christians in North Korea. That's my country, North Korea. You, you just put your country there and you'll see usually a lot of information. But on the open doors you find good information too. Would you please stand? And as we go and we pray, make sure that last, next Sunday you come and look at the map here in the foyer. There's a map and we are going to put all of those cards on the map. If you didn't fill out one this Sunday, you can still fill up your name and come with it next Sunday. And just say to us, I am praying for North Korea or Sudan. May the Lord bless you as you leave this place. And may the grace and the power of Christ infuse His strength and the fighting spirit. May you fight the good fight of faith in the name of Jesus and through the power of the Spirit. Amen. You may go in peace.